one of my favorites has been I went to the Soul um, Pride Expo. I'm not in an artist collective, um, but know an artist collective in Seoul called um, Urban Strikers. You should check them out. Mm. That we haphazardly came across. I say we being a, a friend of mine who also went to the Seoul Pride Expo because one of them was having a random uh, gallery in my neighborhood and we just stumbled into it. They were like, do you want to meet everyone else? And we're like, I think this was like the first weekend that I'd gotten out of quarantine too. So <laughs> I was like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and cue us getting into a random car with some people and zipping around Seoul and ending up at this like cafe with all of these artists and stuff and just like spending a lot of like, like talking to them, drinking and all of that. I feel like all the stories are like drinking and eating and whatnot, <laughs> but it was a good time. Yeah, that's um, bonding. Yeah. Yeah, so I can't pick just like, as you see, it's like one thing leads to another, leads to another. Hello, hello! Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad, perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color. My name is Danielle. And I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Kirsten as the guest. I'm also excited to talk to you all today because this is episode 90. <laughs> the 90th episode of Young Gifted and Abroad. 90th person that I've interviewed since I started the show. It's, it's, um, it's something, isn't it? <laughs> you may already know, but for those who don't, um, rather than doing official seasons or anything like that, I count by tens. That's how I mark the milestones of the show. And so every 10 episodes, I do a relatively short solo episode of just me talking, checking in, reflecting on the show and all that good stuff. And I call those episodes um, 10 cents. So <laughs> you can look forward to a brand new 10 cents episode next week. Uh, but for now, let's focus on Kirsten, shall we? Kirsten is one of those people who've had to experience being a student during this pandemic. <laughs> she graduated from undergrad, class of 2021. And not long after graduating, she actually moved to Seoul, South Korea on a Fulbright grant. So we just had Tamara in the last episode, episode 89, who had a Fulbright Fellowship to do her dissertation research in Peru. And so Kirsten has the same funding to do research, but in South Korea. Uh, Kirsten is actually a musician, originally from Arkansas, and she studied music um, in undergrad. That's what her degree is in. And also during her undergrad years, she uh, became familiar with Korean folk music and and got interested in studying the, the history of Korean music. And she really became curious about K-pop and how it has become so popular, why fans are just so diehard for K-pop, and why now? Why has K-pop become so popular currently and over the past few decades as well? And Kirsten came to this conclusion, not a conclusion, but a theory. <laughs> a very solidly substantiated theory, if you ask me, that at the root of it is blackness. <laughs> because a lot of K-pop music, K-pop um, 
aesthetics and the fashion and, and dance styles is based on um, stuff that black people made, to put it quite frankly. <laughs> so as part of her Fulbright, Kirsten is studying the relationship between black people, black music, and Korea. So that's what she's working on right now. She is halfway through the um, amount of time allotted for her to uh, be doing Fulbright in Seoul. So we talked about um, a little more in detail about the trajectory of how she ended up studying what she's studying and also where her interests lie within all this personally as a musician herself. And we also talked about some of the issues that Kirsten has been having, even when we were just communicating, um, like DMing on Instagram. She was very straightforward about the fact that, you know, she has amazing things to say about Korea, has had some some phenomenal experiences so far, but uh, Fulbright in Korea is a slightly different story. <laughs> and so she was very, very vocal about her complaints and the reasoning behind the some of the things that she's been dissatisfied with as someone who, um, as she explained to me, is a first generation low income or fly student who has gone from one prestigious institution, um, she did her undergrad at Princeton, to another prestigious institution, that being Fulbright. Um, she's had some frustrating experiences with people not understanding the fact that everyone doesn't have the same means and also not being as supportive as as they could be uh, I appreciate that she was very frank about that um, she's very grateful for the opportunity that she has uh, so don't want to not mention that she is grateful for the opportunity but she was also very honest with me about things that need work <laughs> things that might actually be making her time in Korea a little harder than they need to be so yes we've got the highs and the lows in this conversation um, but a lot of highs and of course she told me about her project how her project is going along some of the really amazing people that she is meeting in the process of pursuing this project and also just living in Seoul and what the end result will be. It's going to be very unconventional and very musical, uh, just like Kirsten herself, I guess you could say. <laughs> so you get to hear all about how that project is shaping up. Kirsten is <laughs> a, a riot. She is hilarious. <laughs> as, um, as we were talking, I really found myself admiring her perspective and and just who she is as a person so I hope that you all come away with the same feeling as well from listening to this interview so without further ado sit back relax and enjoy my interview with my friend Kirsten Keels Okay, well, you know, good morning to you in Seoul. Thank you for taking the time on <laughs> your Saturday morning to speak with me. Um, and I really appreciate your interest in being a guest on the podcast, even though I kind of just Absolutely. reached out out of nowhere. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. 
I know that you said you have a lot of great things to say about Korea, maybe not so great things to say about <laughs> Fulbright, um, and I'm open to hearing all of it, right? But um, first, can we start with you introducing yourself a little bit? Absolutely. Um, hi, I am Kirsten um, Keels. I like to say my full name because I feel like it has star quality. <laughs> I feel like I'm about to be like, I'm a Taurus. Um <laughs> I'm originally from um, uh, West Fork, Arkansas. That's where I went to high school and whatnot. I live in Fayetteville, Arkansas. I went to school. I recently graduated from Princeton University. Ooh, congratulations. A- <laughs> Thank you. Um, which is back with a bachelor in music, um, bachelor of arts in music, and certificates, which are like Princeton's equivalent of minors, which they have to be extra for everything. Um <laughs> in ethnography and um, East Asian studies. Mm. Awesome. What else can I I tell you about? I'm a first-generation low-income grad, which I'm very proud of. Um, I work my ass off, rightfully so. Mm -hmm. Um, From a single-parent household, that's also really important to me. I just want to, like, let – basically let it all out. I know your viewers cannot see me, but I am (laughs) a fat, black, queer (laughs) – woman mm-hmm. so there's that too yeah i think that covers the most important parts of my identity to me at least okay wonderful yeah, yeah. thanks for sharing that um absolutely okay so so you're because i know i reached out to you on your main account your other account makes a lot more sense to me now because i was wondering why it was called southern gothic travel <laughs> i didn't realize you were from yeah. arkansas i was like where does the south come in because you went to princeton and now you're in korea where does the south come in i'm like okay yes, I, that makes sense <laughs> i am a southern belle true and true i was born and raised in the south um which i feel like you can only hear with certain words that i say hmm. or maybe you would have definitely heard it before i'd had my coffee <laughs> <laughs> yep i i'm a southern southern girl hmm. Okay, yeah, that's awesome. And um, I'm sure we'll talk more about, you know, your background and how that has influenced, you know, how you've you've approached um, a lot of the things that you've done up to this point. So I guess we can start with, um, I I, I think when I reached out to you, I said something about wanting to know about uh, Fulbright Korea and how your time in Korea is going so far. So I guess uh, a question I could lead with is, how did you end up doing Fulbright in Korea and why, why Korea of all places? (laughs) So there are two ways to answer this question. I could get into how I like became interested in Korea Mm. um, or how I applied. I think it would probably be easier to go from the first to the second. Okay, sure. Okay. So at Princeton, when you have, uh, when you're trying to get your arts degree or whatever, which they say AB, so when you graduate AB, which is just a Bachelor of Arts, um, you have to take two years of language studies. Mm. And my freshman year, I had tried Japanese. That did not go well. That was not <laughs> a great experience. So I took that for, not I don't even think a semester, and dropped it. And then that summer, I went to Japan, um, actually. So And when I was in Japan, I was actually studying the relationship between Black America and Japan, mm. um, which influences a lot of my project now, but I'm, I'm hopping ahead. <laughs> um, so while there, I we learned, it was like an article about um, a very famous Korean folk tune, Arirang, which is 
if you know, you know, it is like the, the folk tune of Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people call it like the unofficial Korean national anthem. Mm. And so for one, it was music and I'm a music person. So I was like, wow, this article is just like, it's really hitting home. And it influenced me so, oh, what was the article about? It was about um, Japanese occupation in Korea mm. and now how a lot of Japanese pop stars and things have kind of appropriated Arirang for Japanese pop tune hits or rock hits and things like that. And then it's ironic considering the um, Japanese imperialism. Yeah. So I was like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was influenced so much by, it just like touched me so much that I actually made my final project for this class a composition. And it was like this joining of Arirang, um, unofficial Korean national anthem, Lift every voice and sing the Black National Anthem mm. uh, and Amazing Grace because, you know, I'm, I'm, I was born, I was raised on Amazing Grace. So mm-hmm. was it good? No, it was about, <laughs> it was less than a minute, but we got the job done and my professor loved it. The wonderful Amani Perry. Um, I will tell your viewers if they have any interest in being Black and Southern Blackness and things like that to read her work. She's amazing. Wait, wait, wait. I'm um, sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. Is this the same Imani Perry who wrote a book about Lorraine Hansberry not so long ago? I think so, probably. Oh my god. Okay. All right. All right. I'm going to calm down. She's okay. A <laughs> she's a professor at Princeton. I think it's um, the same person. Holy crap. Okay. It, it's so cool. <laughs> That's amazing. Is. She she's the sweetest person. Um I love her to death. So shout out to Miss Imani Perry. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um definitely read her work. I think she's got a book she definitely has a book coming out because I've been seeing it on her Instagram. Okay, so then I came back and I still needed my language requirement. Mm. This is my sophomore year now. Um, and one thing you should know about me, and you've already probably picked up on by how I was acting this morning, I'm not a morning person. Uh, <laughs> I never have been. <laughs> Ever since I was little, my mom was like, it has been a bitch and a half. <laughs> it should not wake up past, like, not, like wake up before nine. Even for school and things like that. I'm just, I've never been a morning person. Mm. So in picking classes, <laughs> a language class, my one requirement was that it wasn't at 8 a.m. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so <laughs> it just so happened that Korean was at 10 a.m. And this is like one of the only language classes um, that started at 10 a.m., like mm. the beginner level. So I was like, well, well shit, yeah, okay. I just learned about some some Korean identity. I could do that. That's the, literally the only reason why I started Korean studies. And I think that's hilarious. Hmm. Literally because I'm not a morning person. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so then I started taking Korean and I really clicked with the Korean language department. All of my professors were the absolute sweethearts. Um, the thing is, I was not good at Korean. Hmm. I was not good at it. C's get degrees. I got a C in every Korean class that I took. But it was the fact that they were so encouraging. Um, and they were like, you're here to learn at the end of the day. And we see that you're trying and that you're um, improving just at your own pace. And I was mm-hmm. like, I love that. I, I kept telling them, like, I feel like if I didn't have to take tests and anxiety and all of that, I would be great. Mm-hmm. Also during this time, I had started like therapy for the first time. Um, I had started being medicated for anxiety and depression. So it was like all of these things mixed into this. So I don't just want to be like, I'm bad at it. I'm like, I was working on myself. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's going <laughs> uh, on. Yeah, exactly. 
So then that summer, I came to Korea and I took a class at Iwa Women's University in Seoul. Um, and that was a Korean language course and a course on Hukak, which is Korean traditional music. Hmm. And from that, I was like, why are there other people here? Not in like a weird way, but I was just like, there's so many different like types of people from all, because this was an international program, so from all over the world. And so I knew that, I knew that K-pop was a thing, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I knew that a lot of people in like my classic Princeton had listened to it. Again, at the time, I probably knew like Gangnam Style and then like <laughs> BTS. That was it. Um, I know. I'm really thrown. I'm really dating myself. I here. forgot all about that um, song. <laughs> I know. That, it's, oh, my gosh. gosh. I was very like minimal Korean knowledge. So... Here, I would see people, like, go out of their way to go to these K-pop events to, like, whether they were, like, cup sleeve events, whether it was going to SM Town, which um, is, like, SM Entertainment's shrine to all of their musicians, pretty much. People going out of their way to be like, oh, well, BTS used to go to this this restaurant when they were, before they debuted, so I have to go. And I was like, this just sounds insane to me. <laughs> like, I, it wasn't like um like a judgy insane. I was, it was more like, I was really curious, like why people would go through such links and honestly, like spend such money. Yeah. <laughs> Things yeah. like this. Cause again, I was there on scholarship. Like I was not spending extra money. I mean, I was spending Princeton's money, but not my own. <laughs> um, I do be spending their money. And so then I came back and with this curiosity, I basically dove from beginning of Korean musical history to now. Um, so I started, like I said, with Gugak, the traditional music, and just worked my way up. And then when you go through Korean studies um, from about 1993, I believe, up, um, there's this thing called the Korean wave or Hallyu. And so then I started to focus on Hallyu studies because it's all about um, the globalization of Korean culture. And this is there's different waves and things like that. Um so from that is how I kind of came at like literally what is going on with like K-pop fans and things like that. So I wrote two papers that year because we have to write the two big old research papers mm. um, your junior year. The first one was um, not only on how you, but it was ethnographical. I got to go to a Super M concert and person paid for it. Mm. Wonderful. Nice. Um, Super M's an SM group. It's basically like they're like the Avengers of K-pop. It's a lot. Um, they basically just handpicked like their, uh, members of certain groups that are the most popular and meshed them together. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is interesting. So I went to their concert in New York and wrote a paper. And then my second paper was supposed to be an ethnographical look at Princeton, uh, K-pop culture, because there are not only does the Korean language department push like various cultural events around campus, but there's like a K-pop uh, dance cover group, Coco Pops. Um, I'd had a lot of friends. There's the crossover, the line between who was in Coco Pops and who was taking Korean was a circle. So I had a lot of friends from that. And, um, but the thing is, and then the pandemic happened mm. <laughs> and I was kicked off campus. Um, so then it switched into um, being about the autonomy of idols, basically the digitalization of their bodies. So like ESPA, they literally have like digital idols. 
thinking about watching like We Bear Bears and they took Monster X and like animated them and had them voice their characters and whatnot. Oh, wow. um, or even Trolls World Tour. They had like a K-pop Trolls, which is Red Velvet, which is just a popular K-pop group. Wow. Um, I didn't know that. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So that was a shit paper because there was a <laughs> pandemic. My thesis advisor and I both knew that. Yeah. Which now brings me, I'm sorry, it was a long story. but No, it's okay. To, I'm just um, listening. <laughs> which now brings me to me applying for Fulbright because I applied um, the summer before my senior year. So I just finished my junior year, um, turned in the shit paper, and then I had to start proposing things for my thesis. And I knew for my thesis, I wanted to work with K-pop fans. Um, I wanted it to be different. I'm not a traditional academic I don't like writing super long research papers and things like that. I found that out about myself real quick. I was like, <laughs> I don't like this. Yeah. Um, but I ended up coming up with this project that I called an anthology. So this is my, my senior thesis at Princeton. Like literally where you're like, everyone posts a picture. They're like, I published a book. <laughs> because you do. It's, it's yeah. a lot of work. And so mine was about broadly k-pop it was like experiences within k-pop fan communities Mm. um where i literally basically sent out a form and i had conversations i don't want to say interviews i had conversations with k-pop fans and they were really holistic um they were like why do you like this what is appealing to you what does this mean to you it wasn't just like what groups do you like like how often do you listen to them it was like how do you listen to them like what means and um, how did you come into your like journey of being a K-pop fan? Do you mm-hmm. even identify as a K-pop fan? And from that, most of the people that I interviewed were people of color, primarily mm-hmm. people who identified as East Asian um, and Black American. And so from there, I'd always, again, throwing it back, I'd always had this question of like, what is, is there some sort of like magical part of K-pop that has everyone so obsessed? <laughs> um, like, of course it's catchy. The imagery is very pleasing to the eye being the idols <laughs> and also, um, you know, visual effects and things like that. But is there something where now like culturally is the time that K-pop is globalizing? Hmm. Um, like what is this? And so that led me to my Fulbright project where I'm like, I feel like at the base of all of this is blackness because yeah. uh, black music is popular music. You can't deny that. And for a lot of people who I interviewed, um, specifically the black Americans, they were like, well, of course, like I like Korean language and things like that, but it also feels like I'm still listening to my music per se i'm still listening to r&b or hip-hop or um it's just in korean which then leads into like the appreciation versus appropriation argument Mm -hmm. um conversation i would say not argument (laughs) um i'm like everyone has their opinions i I know i have mine and i would say (laughs) argument but (laughs) um trying to be diplomatic i get it (laughs) yeah um so from there i was like well the music scene is primarily in Seoul, so I will craft this project along with my previous experience in Korea and being black in Korea um, of kind of this disjuncture between an example is hearing my quote unquote my music as a black American in clubs mm-hmm. um, and not being let in and being denied entry from clubs. Mm. Um, 
Oh, and I will say this is before the pandemic. So before people come at me and they're like, well, it's anti-foreigner policy because of the pandemic and things like that. I'm like, no, this is before the pandemic. Mm. Like anti-blackness is anti-black and brown sentiment in Korea is very alive and well, Mm. um, and has been, we can get into the history of that too. (laughs) Um, even on like expat TikTok, there's some drama right now about this. So I'm like, I'm oh, prepared. Really? But wow. Yeah. But yeah, so I applied to Fulbright um, with this project. The official name is Black Embodiment, colon, <laughs> or Black Globalization, colon, the embodiment of Black music and people in Korea. Mm. And so that brings me to being here now. Originally, I thought I was going to be like interviewing like, black expats or just like black people in general in Korea. I was going to be interviewing business owners who own spaces that like mediated this relationship between black America and Korea or just blackness in Korea. Mm -hmm. Um, If I say black American, it's because I'm a black American, not because I'm singling the black experience to the black American experience. So I should say that. (laughs) I got you. (laughs) Um, Yes. I, (laughs) I promise it's not intentional. And now I'm kind of at this point where one, because of Omicron, again, shit got worse. Hmm. Um, I'm not comfortable going to places. These places primarily would have been bars, would have been clubs, would have been music venues. Um, so not only are things just like not happening, or at least if they do, they're not legal. Hmm. Um, <laughs> but I did not feel comfortable being for one i was not about to be the super spreader i was not about to be the foreign super spreader (laughs) (laughs) but like i don't feel comfortable coming into this community um and potentially infecting a lot of people based on who i'm interacting with and things like that specifically because actually my senior year um when i was home for christmas my mom got covid oh Um, man yeah and that shit wasn't omicron that shit was the you know the hard shit and it was it was hard on her hmm. um it's hard on all of us so i'm like i wouldn't wish that on my worst hey, enemy. i'm so sorry um, that's awful it's it's the world we live in now yeah um i thank you for your understanding but it's like it's one of those things where yeah it's just the world we live in but yeah so i was like i'm not about to be that bitch so <laughs> now <laughs> this is my last bit i promise no uh, you're good you're good This is actually a new development, and I'm so excited about this. Um, I felt that at Princeton, I did not have the resources or the support to be able to compose. And it's something that I've always wanted to do. It was just a barrier that, like, music composition is just not accessible. Even being at a place where I'm, like, on the upper echelon of privilege and, you know, like, I'm going to all these places and meeting all these people and especially like these amazing composers. And I'm in classes with these people who have already like, I don't know, like 10th composition or like went to the Juilliard school or all this shit. And I was like, that's great for you. But like I said, C's get degrees. I got C's in every music theory class I took. And so I was really discouraged from composing and like expressing this, this, this creative side of me, which I mean, I've always performed. That's fine. But Mm. um, I've actually like, creating music beyond just like my body. So because I did not want to write a paper and I don't feel like it lends itself to my project, I'm now working on this beautifully collaborative um, composition based off of what I'm getting from people's interviews, um, from people sharing their experiences with me. 
And it's going, I say beautifully collaborative, because not only is it me composing and creating this piece, um, but it's also reaching out to black talent in Seoul and abroad. Mm. Um, I have quite a few friends working on it, as well as people that I've met kind of haphazardly in Korea. Like one of, like the director of like, who's going to be like the music video, the digital production of this. Mm. I met her on TikTok. Oh, <laughs> awesome. Not on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I say black, but also Korean. So I think that it um, is a way to uplift both the black community, um, black creatives, Korean creatives, and again, kind of showcase this collaboration with the caveat that even in this composition, um, it's going to have kind of two parts of the first being like collaboration. Look what we've come, look how far we've come with each other. And the second being like, we still have a long way to go um, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of shit to get into mm. in black and Korean relations. But yeah, that's the long story. The awesome. long answer to your question. No, that's, that's perfect. Like I said, I'm just sitting here listening to you. So, so, so the end or I guess what you're thinking of doing now as like the end project thing is like a... It'll be like a music video pretty much because gotcha. it also is not going to be like a traditional composition. It's going to be like probably like a pop song or something like that with some like poetic elements within it. I see. Okay. Yeah. And that's like, because I've, I've talked to numerous people who've done Fulbright, but I guess I haven't really asked about like the requirements and stuff. So, I mean, mm-hmm. they're receptive to you doing that instead of handing in a traditional research paper I, I don't know what you have to hand into them to meet their requirements it's literally just a final product of some kind okay um while they do have like creative like a creative fulbright that you can apply to um, i've already i told that i haven't had anybody push back on it yet oh, okay <laughs> i just proposed it last month that works. um so I will say, maybe I'm waiting for the pushback. I'm waiting for that long email being like, you didn't say you were going to do this in your proposal, uh, um, which they have been doing to other people in my cohort. Um, maybe it's just that they're tired of dealing with me because I don't put up with their shit. <laughs> hmm. Well, you know, I mean, um, what's the that phrase like, ask for forgiveness, not permission? Not that you need yeah. to ask for forgiveness, yeah. but it's like you kind of push the limits until someone says something. Otherwise you just keep doing what you were going to do in the first place. That's my brand baby. <laughs> <Push the> limits. <laughs> I, I, I love it. That's awesome. Um, okay. Wow. So first of all, I want to say this, this is an amazing thing that you're doing. And the fact that you're in, including so many different kinds of people, I think is wonderful. So kudos to you for that. Um, yes, yes, you're very welcome. I have so many more questions now, but I I guess I, I want to backtrack a little bit. I didn't, I think I forgot to ask. I know you studied music, but I didn't ask like what kind of musician you are. So, um, Mm. yeah, I mean, what was your, when you decided to study music at Princeton, what was your, your goal or inspiration in doing that? So I have been a performer for pretty much all of my life. Um, and this has been vocal music. So I've always been a singer. This is both contemporary and choral music. I'm classically trained, um, but also do perform on the side quite a bit. And then I also am trained like percussively. Um, so I did percussion and alto sax in high school. But coming to Princeton, I decided that I wanted to do ethnomusicology, which is the study of music around the globe. I'm not going to say world music because we could get into that. It's a problematic term. Or a lot of people say that it's problematic. 
um, depending on what you read and whatnot. Yeah, I just, I always had this, I grew up in a very multicultural area. And so I know I say that for Arkansas and people are like, what? <laughs> um, but my area not only had the largest population, um, not many people know this, but the largest population of um, Marshallese, of people from the Marshall Islands is in Arkansas. Mm. This is in the world, wow. <laughs> even like bigger than the Marshall Islands. That's in Springdale, Arkansas, which is about 10 minutes from where I live. And then there's a very large Latin, Latin A population, um, Latin A, Latinx population in Arkansas. Mm. Um, so in doing like college prep programs and things like that, this is who I interacted with. And so like I was able to learn so much about like Marshallese culture of Latin A, Latinx culture, um, the music, of course. I was convinced I was going to marry Prince Royce when I was in high school because I just love bachata so much. Like, <laughs> and, honest, and honestly, you know how like teenagers are like, it's not a phase, mom, like being emo and things like that. I would go through musical phases where I was just absolutely obsessed with like some kind of world music. Like at one point it was like, I want to say like 70s Bollywood and that was just a phase. Mm. And it's like, <laughs> it sounds really strange to say to be like, oh my god, like, do you even know about Mr. India? Like, <laughs> being from fucking Podunk, Arkansas. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then I wanted to explore this more. Um, and Princeton doesn't officially have an ethnomusicology major or department. It was literally a singular professor, um, Gavin Steingo, who I love with my whole heart. Shout out to Gavin Steingo. Um, who was just an amazing advisor who supported me, who helped me fight, honestly, a lot of times the department and being like, I deserve to study this just as much as this person just studied, like can study 1800s ballet or something, you know, mm -hmm. like it's equally as valid. Yeah. I will forever be thankful for him for fighting for me and um, encouraging me. And I actually hope that he listens to this and hears that. Like, I'm just eternally grateful. Yeah. Love him and his wife to death. Oh, that's wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Yes, that um, paints a, a better picture. Because, I, again, I most of the people that I, I know who study music are like, mm -hmm. like one person I'm thinking of, she's a flautist. And another person is uh, plays bass. Yeah. And like, you know, so... And it matters like education yeah. and things like that. Yeah, exactly. You know, people who became band directors and things like that. So, okay. No, I will say I am the, the quote, the not weirdo, but I am the exception of Princeton's music department in that most people, um, when I say most people, there's only like five other people <laughs> in my class from, who are music majors, but they like compose or, um, they study like really niche, like I said, like 18th century ballet or something <laughs> like that, as opposed to global popular music like myself. Mm, I see. Well, I'm glad that you, you know, had someone advocating for you so that you can, um, that you were able to study what you um, were interested in. And my mind, it didn't contextualize the fact that you had to finish university in the midst of the pandemic happening. So... Mm -hmm. I'm really glad you made it through. My cousin, he graduated high school in um, 2020. So mm. um, I think about a lot, you know, how people who are students now, the things that they're dealing with and such. So I'm glad that you made it through and <laughs> that you're still it, pushing, you know. <laughs> it was a little fucking uphill battle, but we, we made it. <laughs> yeah, definitely did. You definitely made it. 
So, so as far as Fulbright goes, I know that you have some complaints, but I'm wondering, <laughs> you know, because I'm assuming that this project that you have, that you're doing, you know, I'm assuming there's a reason that you applied to Fulbright as opposed to seeking out maybe some other program to do what you wanted to do, um, looking at music in Korea and all that. So when you decided to apply to Fulbright, you know, what was it that you were expecting? And like, why did it appeal to you at the time um, when you applied for it? So I should say, Princeton also has a lot of um, postgraduate fellowships and things. Hmm. So if I'm being honest, I crafted this project, quote unquote, for Fulbright, but I applied to many things with this project hmm. and was told no by all of the Princeton um, programs. Dang. And so it got to like March and I was like, oh my God, if Fulbright says no. I mean, I had a backup plan, mm-hmm. um, another Princeton fellowship, which was just working with nonprofits, which I would have still been content with um, and happy with to do the work. But yeah, it was just one of those things where it was kind of like Princeton. I kind of did it on a whim. Mm. I say on a whim, it took a lot of work, but I knew that... Um, Anytime I heard like the Fulbright name, I was like, ooh, that's a full- they're on a Fulbright? That's fancy. <laughs> um, so not saying I applied for the clout, but it, it was a well-known name. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay, let me try this out. Originally, I was going to apply as an ETA, which is an English teaching assistant. But then I really don't like the colonize you feel. Fulbright in itself is very colonize but I didn't like the, mm-hmm. the colonize feel of English teaching. Mm-hmm. Um Regardless of it now being a global skill or not, I just didn't like that for me. So yeah. I decided to apply open research. That's how that went. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, I don't, and I don't even think I asked. When did you, you graduated last year. So when did you move to, to Seoul? So I graduated May of 2021 mm-hmm. and I moved here mid-August of 2021. Mid-August. Okay. And you have approximately how much time there during your Fulbright tenure? I don't know if tenure is the right <laughs> word, but <laughs> during your time with Fulbright, <laughs> you know, how much, how much time is that supposed to, to be? Um, I leave June, 2022. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. So it's officially 10 months. Gotcha. So I guess, um, I guess maybe we can touch on the not so good, and then move to like the stuff that has been really good about your experience so far. Uh, <laughs> once you move to Korea, you know, you got the Fulbright move to move to Korea. When did it start to set in that things were not what you expected them to be or what things kind of made you feel dissatisfied with your like Fulbright ex- experience? So before I get into that, I want to say like, I am very grateful for this opportunity. I lead, oh, right. like I lead life with a grateful heart mm-hmm. um, and am thankful. So before anyone's like, oh, she's ungrateful or things like that. <laughs> it's like, no, I believe that I'm allowed to be grateful mm-hmm. and preserve my peace and advocate for myself. So the dissatisfaction is with me advocating myself and getting gaslit mm. um, or overall ignored. So I should say that also part of the dissatisfaction and when I kind of realized things were not the best is even before I got here, um, and it's part of it is not Fulbright's fault, but part of it is 
before you sign on to Fulbright, um, there's no allowance allocated for buying things before you get there. Um, hmm. So again, as a first generation low income student and as a recent college grad, I blew through my savings to get here. Hmm. Um, and I was expecting some kind of return. Like I would be able to save money while I was here and be able to, you know, to cushion my savings again, specifically because I don't have a safety net. Most people do, but I do not. Hmm. Uh, so I'm, you know, trying to keep this in mind. So there was that part of it. One thing I will say to people who are listening and considering applying to Fulbright Korea, I would say if you are a first generation low income person who does not have very cushy savings or any kind of support system to not apply because it will either put you into some amount of debt or like I had to get a credit card. Um, and granted, credit cards are just good for building credit, uh, you know, getting, my, getting adult things, <laughs> but um, trying to pay that off and whatnot. So getting here, that was that. And then being here, um, I think the assumption is with a lot of Fulbrighters in Korea, um, which I think there are 13 people in our cohort and only like four have recently graduated their undergrad. Hmm. Most are like grad students who have like, they're either this is dissertation work or um, some of them are married, got whole ass families. Mm-hmm. And all of that. So I'm not saying I'm not an adult, but they're like adult adults. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Like, I, I, they are grown folk, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that a lot of them have this support system. And I've talked to some of them, and some do and some don't. But getting here and then staying here during quarantining, again, more money. They paid us very, very late in the game. Um, and this was the same with the cohort before us where they were there like a month and a half, almost two months before they got their first paycheck, Hmm. um, which is not stipulated in our contract. There was a time when I was stuck in quarantine and I had seven US dollars to my name and had to make it Hmm. last two weeks um, because they hadn't paid me. And I had kept being like, listen, like I tried to be polite about it. And I did share like, I like, I'm just letting you know, like, I am an at-risk, you know, grantee. I am a, I'm a low-income grad. I'm first in low-income grad. Like, I don't have what you're asking of me because I'm just, this is now my come, this is just now my come up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we are building the generational wealth now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that went ignored. The delay happened. I think we got paid, like, I think I had like a breakdown during one of our mm-hmm. um, orientation things because I'm like here, everyone's like smiling and laughing and ha ha. And there was one girl just kind of being a, l- a little bit of an ass, you know, just showing off or whatever academically. And like, listen, anybody can show off academically, but I think I was just annoyed that day. <laughs> but, um, and I had to like close out. Cause I'm like, everyone, like I, it just felt so out of touch with my reality. Mm-hmm. And then we got paid and it was all right. But I was also like, we had to find our own housing, which is fine. But housing in Seoul is expensive. Mm. So alongside that, they give us the bare minimum. Um, like, like I think it's below like Korean minimum wage. Um, mm. We get paid a month. And then it was like, I was using nearly all of my stipend on rent because I couldn't find anywhere cheaper. Well, I still need to go out. I still need to research. I still need to you know, travel around Seoul and specifically like there's no IRB protection um, for interacting with 
human participants for interacting with, you know, interviewing people. And so uh, in order to do so ethically, of course, I wanted to compensate anybody that I had a conversation with for giving me their time and their energy. And that was coming out of my own pocket. Um, Like when it gets to the end of the month, it is rough. (laughs) rough. And so I got, there was that, there was getting paid late. There was like the bank they told us to use is just not an accessible bank. Literally when you go there, most of it is old people. Um, it is not great for transferring money to the U S for, um, Oh, just for like internet banking and online banking. It is just not good, (laughs) especially with like our type of visa. Mm -hmm. Or I think it's just being a foreigner, just being a foreigner in this bank is not great. Yeah. Um, so with that, and then when you bring up these issues, they, like I said, they are either ignored or they are gaslit or they are kind of pushed to the side, which I think that is not a Fulbright, like Korea as an organization problem. I think that it's internally like two or three people. Mm. Um, so that's why I'm very <laughs> careful not to be like Fulbright Korea. like. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but it's more like certain people. Mm-hmm. Um And then just other issues like having money taken out of my stipend and then like not letting me know Mm. and then justifying not letting me know. I moved into like Fulbright's building this month and it's like a like almost $200 deposit. And then I asked like, could I split that into 100 and 100 because I'm still recovering from the money that they took out of my last stipend Mm. Um, and being very clear that like I get that other people like this is just kind of like like an allowance, you know, this is this might be fun money or something like this, but this is what I'm living off yeah. of. And I still need to take care of myself. I still need to eat stuff. That's not fucking cup noodles. You know, mm-hmm. um, I deserve to experience soul. I deserve to like go out with my friends. Um, and part of your grant is they ask you like, how are you interacting with the culture and things like that? That takes money. Yeah. And things like that on top of like trying to, save what minuscule amount that I can in order to enter the the job market and things like that after this is over. Mm -hmm. So I'd say that is where my dissatisfaction with being in Korea is. It's mainly just like with this program. Mm -hmm. Um, But like I said, it is more that I have been in programs that have supported me as a first generation low income student. I'm not asking for them to bend over backwards for me or treat me any different than anybody else. I'm just asking for the bare minimum mm-hmm. of respect and decency for something that I cannot control. Yeah. Also, the, also the fact that the U S like where they're like, Oh, it's a U.S. program and what I'm like, the U S is a melting pot. <laughs> mm. Like, of, I get that you want to assume that everyone is like a middle class, like white researcher, mm. but that is not me. Um, <laughs> And it's interesting because even in like Seoul and in Korean media, Korean media that's become popularized, a lot of it is about income disparity. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you can't even say this is like a U.S. issue. Oh my gosh, that's so obviously. true. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like, if we're going to talk about the U.S. and Korea, you can't even say like, oh, well, young people in Korea are doing just fine. Oh, absolutely not. Why. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that's such a, you're so right on that. Because it's like, I'm just thinking of like the huge hits we've had recently with Parasite and Squid Game. There's one other, even Train to Busan. Um, it's like yeah. all having to do with like class and income disparity. And like late stage and, capitalism. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, exactly. 
So I tell you what, I always say there are two types of people. There are people who feel bad for the rich people in Parasite, and there are people who are rooting for the people in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know what? Murder is wrong, but good for them. Oh good my god. <laughs> you have so you have a monthly stipend as part of Fulbright, yes. but it's not been enough to like live in a way that's just like like you said bare minimum being able to do the work you're there to do but also to enjoy your time and to really experience the culture and all that and there's also just like a lack of understanding with like your socioeconomic background like a lack of appreciation for the fact that everybody does not have the same means is not coming from the same situation and I guess a lack of support or even the resources that you're pointed to like you mentioned the bank is not like conducive Mm. to doing what you need to do um yeah and that's that's all really unfortunate that you're dealing with those issues um i was curious i guess you alluded to it when you were talking just now but um you know fulbright is like a prestigious program i i was curious if you felt more supported or more understood in term at princeton you know, another really prestigious institution. Do you feel like while you were there that people were more understanding of your of your background and your financial situation and still allowing you to not allowing, but you know, giving you more of the support you need to to do the same things that other students are are able to do? I would say yes and no, because a lot of it isn't just like, oh, these programs are offered because we understand there are some that are Hmm. for instance, like I, um, there are like groups that are specifically designated for like first generation low income. They say fly, fly students. So I'll probably say fly from now on Hmm. just to to keep from the mouthful of first generation low income. (laughs) (laughs) So if I say fly, that's what I mean. So yeah, there are a lot of things, um, for fly students to be supported, but it's a lot of it is fictitious. Um, it is very surface level. It's very, Princeton is the land of like, we are here to support you. We have the resources, we have the resources to support you. Mm. Um, and then nothing comes of it. Or it's just kind of like, well, you're on your own, I guess. So a lot of this is still like a lot of self advocation and honestly fighting. It's, it's a lot of like fighting for yourself and being like, listen, I deserve just as much as these kids whose parents run Microsoft or, Mm -hmm. you know, who um, are legacy kids or things like that. And so honestly, tasting that the upper echelon of privilege, like I've said, (laughs) um, is what makes me know my worth and know that there are still institutions that have resources. You just have to like, you literally just, ha- it's almost like you have to twist their arm to get them. Mm. So it's like, I feel like Korea, like Fulbright Korea has these resources. Um, and if I had more of a backing, like more for like fly students behind me, because at Princeton, we are a community, um, constantly sharing resources, constantly uplifting each other. And a lot of like first gen low and fly students, <laughs> um, know each other since freshman year, because like either we got in through QuestBridge we got in and then there's a like summer program for like fly students um, and international students called FSI, which is the Freshman Scholars Institute. Mm-hmm. So a lot of us, like we've known each other from the get go. And so e- even now, like complaining on my say Instagram story or something, 
the first people to swipe up and to validate my feelings are those people mm-hmm. that, you know, we've, we've been through it since day one, you know? <laughs> um, so I think if there was more of, if there was less privilege <laughs> in the Fulbright structure, then yeah, I think that changes could be made. But right now I kind of feel like I'm shouting into the void and it is getting exhausting. Mm. Um, because again, I really shouldn't have to be doing this. I'm asking them for the bare minimum. I'm yeah. not asking them for luxury for anything more. I'm just asking to be respected and to see, be seen as a person regardless of my socioeconomic status. Yeah. Yeah. And you, d- you deserve that. And like you said, it shouldn't have to be that hard. You see on, especially online now, it's, um, people talking about how, you know, you shouldn't be afraid to advocate for yourself. And, mm-hmm. and, and go after what's yours or, you know, that type of thing. But I, I was listening to you and I was thinking about how, like, it's like, it's like you have to do extra work on top of the work that, that you already have that's to a, do. You know what I'm that's saying? That's exactly what it is. It's, yes. It's and like, that's why yeah. I'm exhausted. Like, I, at this point, I'm like, I'm exhausted. I'm all for advocating for yourself for knowing your work. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I know how tiring it is to constantly fight. I had to deal with that at Princeton. I had to deal with that growing up in a 98% white community. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's gotten so constant. And is it like, now I'm going to back down? Well, no, that's just not the kind of person I am. But it's like, at what point, like I'm tired of being strong in a way. I'm tired yeah. of, having to be that person to advocate for myself. Like I will advocate the shit for myself. Um, <laughs> but I'm even now with Fulbright stuff, I'm like, I'm not asking you guys for anything else. You've, you've shown your hand, your mm-hmm. hand, like I said, is gaslight, gatekeep, girl boss. Oh Lord. <laughs> Trifecta. So evil exactly so i'm like i i have no energy for this i'm gonna turn my energy to my project um and i'm gonna write i'm just gonna drag y'all to hell and back behind the screens yeah um well i I was wondering do you in the midst of dealing with this do you have any like moral support from like like i guess your cohort or other full writers who are there with Mm -hmm. you currently like do you or even just people affirming that you're not crazy or you're doing the right thing. Have you received any, anything like that from your, your fellow Fulbrighters? Absolutely. And that's, I think the only thing keeping me sane, because I can't afford therapy here. So um, not saying I use them for therapy, but <laughs> I, <laughs> it is one thing I will say about the like Korea's expat community, it is very tight knit when you find the right people. Hmm. Key being when you find the right people. So I have been so blessed on TikTok through um, some Fulbright's cohort and through previous friends from, you know, uh, coming to Korea and whatnot, just to be supported and loved and validated to have my concerns validated because girl i'd be gaslighting myself Mm. i'm like is this really a big of an issue is i making it like constantly and so i feel so loved that's the only way i can think to say Mm. it's just loved and i'm still constantly shocked by the love that i've received here i feel like i have made 
friends for a lifetime, even from our previous cohort. You know, there are two girls that I know will listen to this and they recently left Korea. So on a new journey in their lives. And I'm like, I know that we are always going to be intertwined by this connection and that I always want to be a part of your lives because um, of the way that you have just loved and supported me. Same with there's another person in my cohort who's a fly student from Yale. So we, you know, we got that Ivy League, like, like broke bitch Ivy League. Which <laughs> um, is not why we're friends, but um, our projects are pretty similar. And so constantly being like, I hear you and I see you. Um, and even things like budgeting or finding places where it's like, oh, like this is a cheaper version of this, you know, she's the one, she introduced me to Korea's version of all these. So (laughs) nice. Um, Things like that. I mean, I was even telling my mom last night because we were talking, um, you know, I was like, you know, mom, of course, you know, I love you, mom. She's like, I love you too. And, and all of that. Um, And she's like, I just wanted to call. um, So, you know, that I know it's good to hear family voices at home, but also know, you know, you are supported and loved. And I was like, Honestly, mom, like, you know, I love, I love y'all to death. Um, y'all being my mom and my younger brother. Mm-hmm. And I do feel supported, but I feel, I got a little teary eyed saying this to her. I was like, I just feel so supported and loved here too. Mm. Um, I don't feel like there's that gap in my life or, uh, you know, a hole. Uh, there's definitely a mom sized hole in my heart when things go wrong and I need a mom hug. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I feel constantly, like I, I keep saying, just supported and loved yeah. and affirmed. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. I'm so happy to hear that you feel loved and have found, you know, good people to have around you. Because if you were having to deal with the stress of, you know, the financial side, the Fulbright thing, and on top of like being alone and not having anyone to really, you know... Oh God, we would have an international crisis. (laughs) (laughs) That would be really, I can imagine that would be so much more difficult. Um, I'm like, my Prozac does not work this hard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I was wondering, in terms of like, the people you've interviewed so far, I don't know if they also have become part of your community you found there, or do you keep it strictly like, professional in terms of like you know you talk to them you do your interview thing and then that's it or have some of them become friends or acquaintances as well since you've been there (laughs) so actually a big part of this project is i did not want to be that like stereotypical researcher like goes into a community researches gets why i need and leaves um that's not who i am as a person i absolutely love community building or should I say like community integration because like I feel it's less so that I'm building this community yeah. and I think it's ignorant of me to say that I'm building this community when I'm I just came here I'm being integrated I'm being welcomed into this community the community being the black community in Seoul the music community in Seoul yeah. and so I honestly feel that um yeah like it's like we follow each other on Instagram but um, which of course you could get into like parasocial relationships and all of that, but it's like, I genuinely, am so happy for everyone that I'm working with. And I do feel like I, like we are friends. We are not acquaintances. Like we are friends. Like I, you know, and I want them to feel that way too. Like you've shared this part of yourself with me and it goes without saying that it is appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is cherished because you are a cherished person in my life. 
like I said, regardless of if I've known you for years, regardless of if I met you yesterday, like <laughs> that is just um, how I operate. So it's it's like that's how I operate in life. Research is no different. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I haven't interviewed that many people, <laughs> but you still um, got time. <laughs> I still got time. Um, and like I said, especially with now this like composition kind of creative aspect of it, mm-hmm. uplifting pe- other people's creativity and skill set and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. That's so good to hear. Um, do you find, I know you said you haven't interviewed a ton of people yet, but in terms of the people you have talked to, have they been receptive in terms of you like approaching them and being like, hey, I'm doing this thing. This is the research I'm doing. I want to ask you these questions or ask you about this type of thing. Do you feel like they've been receptive so far to to participating and helping you do this research? I believe so. Um, I should also say that it's a mixture of, um, I say a mixture of two people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One being a Black American and the other being um, Korean, Korean Canadian. And so I'll say that in terms of just like reaching out and being like, hi, I'm doing this. These two both have very large platforms Mm. and were still willing to talk to me. Now I have reached out to other people who have like, I'd say like, I think 50 K followers on TikTok or Mm. things like that. Um, Haven't, haven't heard anything. Haven't heard a peep. Haven't interacted with my stuff at all. Um, Which is no, no tea, no shade. It's more like you've got your life. Like I understand Mm. Like I said, my profile or my content creation is on the on the up and coming, you know. <laughs> um, I will say I am known in the expat community by some people at least. So I've had a lot of like people who maybe I couldn't interview them or they're not the demographic that I'm looking for, mm-hmm. but they'll pass along my card or um, they'll, you know, send my profile to someone and then that person reaches out. And so it's a kind of a lot of, like I say, community building and, you know, this person who knows a person and yeah. all of that. My thing is, I'm like, if people can see, you know, that I am not intimidating or anything, that I am literally a marshmallow of a person. <laughs> um, you know, a yellow marshmallow of a person. Oh. Um, my personality will shine through and they will see that I'm very, you know, um, approachable. Yeah. Um, genuine. Yeah. Ge- oh. Um, so I'm hoping that more people hopefully reach out to me because I know when people hear Fulbright and when they hear Princeton they instantly think like privilege and like anytime anybody hears Princeton like oh my god like she is like I'm like nah I'm a dumb bitch I promise I promise no don't say that about yourself (laughs) I say I say it with love (laughs) oh man okay yeah, so you haven't, that's what I was trying to get. I was. I guess I was trying to get at whether you've had to do a lot of convincing when it comes to trying to get people to participate so far. And hey, two people, hey, you're still doing it and you still got time <laughs> to find more people, you know? Oh, well, it's more of a, a planning thing. It's like I'm talking to a million, it's like I'm talking to people trying to get things, you know, lined up and whatnot, but adults and schedules. Yeah. Um. I was going to say, I also, okay, this is where it's going to get into like the, like, crystal reading like all of that I think that <laughs> I go like where is this gonna go um, I feel like I'm very good at reading of energies of just like sensing people's um what's the word mm-hmm. intentions sensing people's intentions 
their vibe, if you will. Mm -hmm. So I think that also is like, I'm able to kind of not set in a sense in a way, like, um, not if people are going to be useful. I don't like that term of like, they have use to me and that's it. But that like, we'll get along that they've got a good heart. And a lot of times it's like those people know the type of people that like I would get along with Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, the same kind of like good, good begets good. Yeah. Um, so I will say I haven't had anybody. I've had people suggest people to me as jokes, Mm -hmm. like, Korean rappers who have like dreads and like thrills oh, or on their on, on their Instagram go story going nigga this nigga that oh no thank you not giving I am not giving these people the time of day um but uh, so I was like I will say there was definitely like a like a straining process to mm. this too mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh okay. <laughs> I don't want to name names, but there's just so many examples. When you were giving that description, I just thought of so many um, artists. But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah I was like, "Don't you be giving my card to Jay Park?" Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't gonna say it. I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> I'll say it. I won't get you in trouble. I'll say it. <laughs> but yeah, definitely him and others. You know, um, yeah, like you said, definitely have to be selective you know so yeah yeah oh sidebar and okay so i don't i it's one of my peeves when people give me unsolicited advice so if what i'm about to say is not of any use to you you can totally disregard it but um do you know of the brothers and sisters of south korea facebook group are you in that already no oh okay it's basically a facebook group for black people living in korea yeah brothers so it's spelled like like the way we say it, brothers, brothers yeah. and sisters she of said, South like Korea. We say it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, no problem. Oh, one other one I was thinking of when you were talking about your project. Um, so their podcast is discontinued, but there's these two women named April and Girl Davis. Girl Davis is from London. April is from. Um, oh, is it the Soju Black? No, 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 no. It's Jin Cha Cha. Um, oh. and their show was all about like Korean pop culture, um, from their perspective as black women who were K-pop fans. And also mm. they had both uh, taught in Korea and all so that. What is it? Jin Cho Cho? Yeah. So it's J. Oh, Jin Cha? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like Jin Cha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Jin Cha Cha, like tea. But that's another uh, potential. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. See, yeah, I don't it. think that's unsolicited advice. I think that's resource <laughs> sharing. Now, if you're like, oh my God, have you heard of this thing called eMart? Yeah. <laughs> I would be like, yes, I've heard of eMart. <laughs> um, that's the one thing I'll say about the expat community. There are some people in this community who think that ain't nobody ever heard of this and they are the first person to ever tell them about Korea. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> So yeah, there's that. Um, and you already know about Soju Black. I fell off of listening to them, but I'm glad you know about Soju Black as well. I used to really like their show. So my question I was going to ask was, um, you mentioned how you had gone to Korea previously uh, when you were an undergrad. I think you said for a summer. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? And you yeah. know now you're there again. You've been there for like five months, right? Yeah, that sounds weird to say. Yeah. <laughs> to hear. Oh, so you're like, 
Oh, yeah, you're like halfway through right now. Yeah, okay. Anyway, my point is, um, do you feel like having been there before helped you in terms of transitioning to living there now? Or was it a completely different experience and you were starting at square one all over again? I'd say absolutely. Um, Also, having two and a half years of Korean language experience was (laughs) <laughs> it helps a lot. Hmm. Is my Korean great? No. Am I trying and learning and growing? Yes. Um, yeah, I think it was different because that was like six weeks. It was like everything was covered and whatnot. I feel like this is a step above um, because it's like adulthood. You know, I'm paying bills. I'm buying groceries and, and whatnot, which is not stuff that I'm not used to. Um, not not used to. That's the word. <laughs> it's more like I don't know. It feels like I think the only analogy that I can think to compare it to is like when people start learning tightrope, they're like, you know, the walking a tightrope, there's a net underneath. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like when I was here the first time, I had that net. Here, this is the big circus baby, and I'm the clown. (laughs) (laughs) That net is removed. Like, this is the big show, you know, Mm -hmm. which again is just like, the privilege of going to an accredited institution that has money Mm -hmm. again, touching privilege. And now that privilege is taken away. So I appreciate that privilege. I would like it to come back. Mm. But (laughs) Yeah. So I guess it's, it's been a lot that you've had to learn and get used to (laughs) along the way. Like I said, I've got a good attitude about it. Mm -hmm. Like shit's going to go wrong. I try to keep it honest on like my social media. I'm like, listen, like this is not like, oh my God, I went to the cutest cafe today. And like, I did this and this and this. Like there are days where I just, I get up at 3 PM and the most walking I do is to the bathroom or to the kitchen to make my coffee. Mm. Um, And that's my accomplishment for the day. And that's Mm -hmm. okay. But yeah, I think (laughs) a good attitude to have about this is like, stuff is going to go wrong. Like nothing's Mm going to be perfect. Yeah. Um, I'm going to mess up. I'm going to take the wrong train. I'm going to be, I'm going to pay too much for insert thing here a time or two. (laughs) You know, it's it's a learning experience. And Mm -hmm. so I think if you go, if you go in with that, it becomes fun. And it's like, ah, you know, I did mess up. Luckily this wasn't a big mess up, you know, a detrimental mess up, but it happened. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah, it is. It is okay. Um, Yeah. What would you say have been your favorite or most memorable memorable parts of living in Korea so far? Mm, that's a hard one. I feel like, I feel like it's so many little instances of like, um, one of the best nights that I've had was saying goodbye to one of my, to one of the people I mentioned before. Mm. And that was just fun because, um, she had been frequenting, um, this bar for a while. So it was like getting to like, go to the bar, experience that. We all love, like, really nice makoli. Mm. He's, like, Korean rice wine. So it was, like, nice drinks, you know, people. It was a little bittersweet because she was leaving. But it was that. It was, um, at one point, we all got drunk enough. Um, and I they had mentioned to the owner that I was a singer. And I was, like, he had mentioned that he was getting married soon. And I was, like, I will sing for your wedding. <laughs> I literally will. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and so... <laughs> Um, he literally went out to his car and got like a karaoke microphone and was like, this is your audition. Like go. And it, normally I'm like the girl that's like, I don't want to like sing. Like, what do you want? Like, what do you mean? But <laughs> I just sure did. And so we did that. And it was just a night of like good food, 
um, good drinks and everything in between. So I feel like most of my experiences, um, when I think of like the best experiences are like good food, good drinks, good people. Mm-hmm. Singing. And singing. <laughs> oh, girl, you cannot get me to shut up at a Norebag. I, I don't sing. I perform. Yes. I perform. Exactly. Um, there's been that. Um, one of my favorites has been I went to the Seoul um, Pride Expo. And mm. so it was just this, like, openly and beautifully queer space and welcoming space um, for the LGBTQIA plus community in Korea. Met a lot of vendors there, um, saw some people, you know, that I had seen before. I'm not in an artist collective, um, but know an artist collective in Seoul called um, Urban Strikers. You should check them out. Mm. Um, that we haphazardly came across. I say we being a, a friend of mine who also went to the Seoul Pride Expo because one of them was having a random uh, gallery in my neighborhood and we just stumbled into it. And then from there, uh, they, the person running this um, gallery, because they go by Valen Pronouns, mm-hmm. they were like, do you want to meet everyone else? And we're like, I think this was like the first weekend that I'd gotten out of quarantine too. So <laughs> I was like, sure. Mm. <laughs> and he was getting into a random car with some people and zipping around Seoul and ending up at this like cafe with all these artists and stuff and just like spending a lot of like, like talking to them drinking and all of that i feel like all the stories are like drinking and eating and whatnot <laughs> but it was a good time yeah that's um, bonding yeah yeah so i can't pick just like as you see it's like one thing leads to another leads to another mm-hmm. but yeah i can't pick any like singular instance i've just like there have been so many um i'm just like wow like this wouldn't the power of yes for one just saying yes Mm. to not everything but you know trust me i draw boundaries there are some days i'm like i'm not leaving my bed (laughs) and i'm making go outside um and yeah Mm. wow i'll have to i feel like now you're i'm trying to journal a little bit more so i feel like i'm gonna have to go back in my like instagram memories my tiktoks and be like what have i been doing Oh, I'm that's a bit one. forgetful too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I get it. It helps me to write things down too. Uh, and I'm glad to hear that you're, get, you know, getting into journaling more because I personally really enjoy journaling. Just like even just having that personal record for yourself. Like, what did I do on this Thursday in September? What did I do that day? You know, that type that's of thing. The thing is, my app is so forgetful. <laughs> Days just blur together. I'm like, what did I do last week? <laughs> Oh, oh, you've talked a lot about, you know, community building and, and, and I feel like I should have asked you already, but in terms of, you know, your family, how have they been about you moving to Korea and, and doing what you're doing? I'm assuming they've been supportive, but you know, what has been their reaction <laughs> to you leaving and being away for so long? Luckily, I am one of the people that has been very blessed um, with a supportive parent um like I said the single parent household but my mom is still like my my biggest cheerleader (laughs) she said even when I made it into Princeton you know how some people are like why would you go into this you know this Ivy League university and get a a music degree get an arts degree um she has never questioned that she's Mm -hmm. always said you know what baby like did we expect like Princeton and it's paid for like you just make the most out of it, make yeah. the most out of it and be happy. And that'll make me happy. Like I'm already proud of you. There's not anything else that you can do Aww. to make me, you know, not proud of you and whatnot. Um, 
So she's always just been like, you know, reach for the stars. And I think that part of that is breaking like generational curses and things like that of like, you know, she, she runs her own business and whatnot now. And that's been the recent, like the past four years that that's been happening. So I feel like from her example and from like me going to college and my brother's in college, it's like, we've already expectations have already shattered for, Mm -hmm. you know, our income level for our race in terms of my brother and I, because I am a mixed race household. And so, yeah, they're just really supportive. It's like, I, you know, I'm honest with my mom. I tell her the good, the bad, you know, the ugly. I try not to make it all negative or whatnot, but if I do need to like rant about Fulbright, you know, she's the first person to be like, well, fuck them too. only three years younger than me so I think we're close enough in age and we're just really close in general to where um you know we still talk every day whether that's actually talking or just sending each other TikToks like I, they'll ask me how things are going or you know it's I have pretty regular communication with them um so I don't I think maybe <laughs> I think the only person who was worried about me coming here was probably my grandmother and I think that was just a little bit of like it's I think it's like stereotypical American like North Korea, South Korea, like, you know, like, (laughs) so I think after I was able to see um, my grandfather and my grandmother, uh, my granny and my papa (laughs) um, right before I left, which was really important to me and kind of ease their minds about some things. Um, But they still, you know, they're devout Christians. So they're like, we're praying for you. We're supporting you from here. Um, That's adorable. And whatnot. So it's like, I do feel very supported and um, loved by my family as well. So good on your mom, especially for being on your side. You know, I'm I'm really close with my mom as well. So it really makes me happy to hear how down your mom has been for you. (laughs) No, she is like with every opportunity, um, because Korea is not the only country I've been to. I've been all around and every time she's like, as long as it's paid for, I mean, Mm, for sure, for sure. <laughs> um, looking forward in terms of like the future, you know, do you have any ideas in terms of what else you want to do while you're in Korea, like making the most of your time there, or um, even beyond Fulbright, if you'd like to stay in Korea or go somewhere else, you know, do you have any mm-hmm. ideas about, you know, what you want to do in in the future? No, that's a big question, absolutely. but you know what? It, I don't want to say yeah, absolutely none. Um, <laughs> but it's more like I feel like I'm at a very transitional part of my life, like just finishing college, um, being here for this Fulbright and things like that. Like it's very, I'm a very go with the flow person, but I still need a plan. Like again, I don't like I said, I don't. This is a circus, and I am the clown. You know, I do not have a safety net or anything. So, yeah. um, but dreams wise, you know. What is it? Yeah, my aspiration. Yes. <laughs> um, so I know at least short term in Korea, I'd love to travel around Korea a bit more. Um, so like do the stereotypical, you know, go to Jeju, go to Busan, go to Daegu, because um, I wasn't able to travel when I was here for six weeks. Mm. So I'm hoping um, I can get to the point where things have kind of evened out money wise and I can mm. travel a bit more. Um, I would love 
I'm a performer at heart and I just, it is so therapeutic for me to sing. Now anybody can go to a coin or bong, you know, put in my, mm-hmm. in my wand and go, but to be in front of an audience and feel that energy is so different. So I would love to have one point, even if it's just like one or two performances somewhere of mm. just like performing um, in Korea, literally just for, just for entertainment, just for shits and giggles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not for like, like, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to join this agency or like, I'm going to be scouted. Like literally that's not, I just enjoy singing. So yeah. I would love to do that. Thinking towards the end of my project, I would absolutely love to have some kind of like watch party, view party, um, Ooh, my final project yeah. type thing. I would love, like, ideally this is me again, shooting for the stars, but I think I can do it mm-hmm. if I get my shit together. Um, have it like have the music on Spotify or like release it somewhere. I know that I'm going to release it somewhere where it's accessible for everyone. Cause that's the mm-hmm. main part of this project is I want it to be accessible mm-hmm. and research papers and things like that are not accessible, but yeah. visual mediums, audio, you know, it's accessible music, music, music and watching things accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully I can have like my big, like, Oh my God, you guys, I am a store. I have released this. Um, I would like to thank my mom, the Academy, um, you know, <laughs> kind of moment. Yeah. Um, Long term, I'm applying to jobs right now. Um, big girl jobs. Mm. So that's, you know, pick my big girl panties on. I was, I was like, Ooh. um, so I'm applying to like music industry things. I honestly, I have no clue <laughs> what I want. Um, not in life. I just know that, like I said, I'm a very easy person to please. I'm talking about myself, not like, you know, people have to please me, but <laughs> it does not take much for me to be happy. Mm. So I'm like, as long as I'm happy and I'm financially secure with a little bit of disposable income, mm-hmm. <laughs> I am happy wherever. Yeah. Um, I've juggled around the idea of getting my master's. Um, I think regardless if I want to enter some kind of like music industry or just like music job, regardless of if that's industry or not, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to have to get my master's at some point. Haven't decided at one point I was like, Oh, I'll be like a, a musicology professor at a college or something. Um, that's a lot of academic work that I'm not necessarily sure that I have the energy for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I can't tell if it's that I don't have the energy for it because I don't want to do it. Or I don't have the energy before it because I'm um, still burnt out of it from Princeton. Mm-hmm. Um, so now my long-term plan is to just hopefully I can get a good job, you know, be have enough to where I can, you know, squirrel some back. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's like I work for two years and then go to school, that's uh, that's fine with me. If I just end up working and it, you know, working my way up the industry. Um, and that brings me back to Korea. That's fine. If I stay in Korea, that's cool too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really open-ended and I'm, it's one of those things where it's so open-ended that it's exciting because it's kind of like mm. what a beautiful thing it is to not, <laughs> to not have a plan in a way. Mm. Um, as someone who's always like known the next step, always planned always because I've had to, mm-hmm. um, to now be in this position where I'm like, you know what? It's wherever the wind takes me. If the wind takes me down the block and I stay in Seoul, that's fine. Yeah. If the wind takes me all the way back, you know, 
home for a few months and then I come back, that's cool too. If I, it takes me to New York, if it takes me to California, you mm-hmm. know, as long as I'm happy and I have some disposable income mm-hmm. and I have a roof over my head and good food in my belly mm-hmm. and access to good coffee, I am good. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wish all those things for you as well. Um, you, you know, I really admire you being okay with things being open-ended and, and seeing not having a plan as, as a beautiful thing, as opposed to like, Oh, trust a me. Terrifying it was a journey. <laughs> yeah. There's still like, it's easy to say that now, but there are definitely nights where I'm like, Oh my God, what am I doing with my life? You know? Like existential like, crisis. Like, I don't want to, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm a, I'm a genuine, honest person. I'm not just going to give you the good. Like, yeah. <laughs> there are definitely times where I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> yeah. I just feel like it takes so much wisdom to just, like you said, to see uncertainty as, like, as not the worst thing ever, you know? I just really like the way that you describe that in terms of being um, excited about what's to come, even if you don't know what that is. I think that's really great, so... I will say part of it has come, I think, from this in this recent kind of over the past year um, embracing of just like spirituality, mm. um, whether it is God, whether it is the universe, whether it is some kind of, you know, other worldly force. Um, I have been brought to this moment. I'm here. I'm present. And things are working behind the scenes that I don't, I don't even know about. Yeah. Like I said, I wouldn't necessarily say I fall within a religion, but things are definitely, you know, work. There's something happening to where I'm being guided to where I'm supposed to go. Yeah. Um, I often say like at night or things, I'll be like, okay, like, thank you, God, whoever he or she may be. I thank you to my to the universe, mm-hmm. you know, and to my benevolent ancestors. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like, I think that part of this, like, oh, it's okay, is like, I might not feel much guidance right now, but I am being, I feel as if I'm being guided from some, something, mm-hmm. somewhere, you know, is looking out for me and kind of, yeah, just a general, like, spirituality, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely one of those girls who's like a crystal girly, like a tarot girly, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> I'd be burning my incense, be like, the energy here is off. <laughs> So I guess I only have a a few more questions since I know we've been talking for a while and had to delay Girl, start have, and like, everything. I'm not immediately gonna like hop in the shower and go back to bed after. <laughs> <laughs> I guess in terms of just like visiting places, I don't know if you have any destinations in mind in terms of places in the world that you would like to to go in the future anything that's like if you have a list is there anything that's high on your list of places you'd like to go well i can say i have already been to venice japan korea morocco and london Hmm. um so i feel like those are all pretty like places where people are like oh like i wasn't expecting morocco i was supposed to go to greece my senior year but or my junior year, but no, senior year, senior year, yes. Mm. But, of course, pandemic things. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like I have been blessed to be able to travel this much. Mm-hmm. Um, for future things, again, I would love to go back to Japan because I had a fun time there and I now know people there. Mm. So I think it would be fun to go back. 
Um, I have never been to Central, South, like Latin America. Um, I would love to go. Of course, I want to go to the islands. You know, I'm an island gal. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I would love to go. Um, Where else? I feel like I just want to, like, there's not specific destinations in mind. A lot of it also is just dictated by music. Like, I love Afrobeats. Therefore, I would love to experience Afrobeats in its environment, you know? Or, like, I love bachata. I love cumbia. Like, I want to experience it, you know, like, at its roots. Mm -hmm. And, again, this is not, like, a researcher. Like, I want to pry and, like, see where this comes. This is literally just me enjoying music and wanting to enjoy it with um, the people who created it, who, you know, its namesake or its... You know, it's history. I want to enjoy it. Um, I feel like I should make a list, but honestly, I'm kind of, I'm one of those people that like, if I had enough disposable income and someone was like, I'm going to Iceland tomorrow, like, or not tomorrow, because I'm more planning than that, but it's like, like, I'm going to Iceland in like five months. Like, Mm -hmm. do you want to come? I would be like, yeah, I've I've never been to Iceland. Mm -hmm. Of course, I'm also the type of person who would want to get like, I don't want to say I'd have like my little guidebook with like helpful phrases and things like that. Um, <laughs> but I never want to be the bitch that just goes and only speaks English and like mm. doesn't know how to get around. No, I'm not saying I need to know how to read and write in every language ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but basics, you know, and a lot of these also just being there. I learned like I did not know any Arabic before going to Morocco, but you know, like on the plane ride, like, you know, I started not my Duolingo, but, you know, like looking up, like, <laughs> at least respectful phrases, like how yeah. to order and how to say thank you, you know, just like very basic things, which might hinder some uh, traveling. Like if I wanted to go with like, what is it like, it's like slowly or like, I can't even do it, but it's like the African like quick language. Oh, um, um X-H-O-S-A. I don't know how to pronounce the word either, but I know what you're talking about. It's one of those words like Mosa or like, you know, yeah. it's like some kind of like, yeah. Um, would I love to go? Yes. <laughs> would, would I be able to learn enough to like get around? You can't see. <laughs> those listening, you can't see, but I shook my head yeah. very violently. <laughs> <laughs> I know, like gastrology listen there are so many times i'll be scrolling on tiktok (laughs) and things and i'm like i just i want to eat all of this or i want to drink all of this Mm. yeah so i hope you get to do that i know so many things are in flux right now with the (laughs) pandemic but you know you still have to dream and we still have to hope and have ideas and you know look forward to something so Mm -hmm. you know do you have any advice for someone who would like to do the same or similar things that you've done um, from like a, a, I guess, studying abroad standpoint or research abroad standpoint? Do you have any <laughs> advice for someone who wants to do that? I, absolutely. I would say um, if you are in college and your college has the resources or you yourself have a resource, go abroad. It doesn't have to be a whole year. It it doesn't have to be a whole semester. Just experience as much during such a um, transitional, another transitional period in your life um, as you can. Mm -hmm. In terms of applying for Fulbright Korea, like I said before, if you are a fly student um, or you don't have the support system of a lot of more privileged peers, Fulbright Korea might not be for you unless you are able to save and to shell way back like, um, 
money from a job and things like that. I will say most of Fulbright Korea for open research is focused towards um, graduate students and up. <laughs> so um, undergraduate, it might feel a little daunting at times, but you can do it still. I would still, you know, that don't let numbers scare you or anything. Worse, worse things have happened with worse odds. Hmm. Yeah, I can't really think of any like specific advice that's not um, catered to each person, like mm-hmm. application wise and whatnot. But um, yeah, I'm a big like advocate for you've got you can't just stay in your little corner of the world. You've got to go out. You've got to experience life and love and happiness and heartbreak yeah. and you know everything in between. Um, if you have, again, the privilege and the safety net to do so, because I am acknowledging that this is a huge privilege to be here right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though I have many things to say about Fulbright Korea, to be supported by um, Fulbright Korea, it's a huge privilege. Yeah, for sure. Like you said earlier, you can both be grateful and have your critiques as well. So, you know, exactly. Um, you, you obviously acknowledge both parts of that. So, okay. Um, something I realized I forgot to mention or forgot to ask you, I think I remember seeing on your Instagram, how you, part of why you were posting, especially on your Southern, Southern Gothic travel, is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. The, that Instagram account. Um, yeah. <laughs> part of it was you wanting to talk about your experience as a, a plus size person, um, traveling, but also like living in Korea specifically. And you also mentioned, um, being queer as well and going to that pride expo that you went to. So I'm just wondering, cause my, my understanding of Korea is like, can be more of a, a conservative country. Oh, um, very homogenous. <laughs> yeah. And homogenous as well. So I'm just wondering in terms of like your various identities, um, how, how has that been? Like if people have been receptive to you or if you've been able to feel comfortable and at ease just being yourself, I should say, um, being queer is not a salient part of my identity mm-hmm. simply because it's a newer part over like the past, like two, two and a half years, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't inform a lot of my decisions, but it definitely informs a lot of my like opinions or how I move about the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of being a plus size <laughs> black woman, a lot of times in Korea, I'm like a big old black sore thumb. I oh. stick out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is coming as someone who, um, is mixed race who is like lighter skinned mm-hmm. i wouldn't necessarily say like i'm light light skinned but like i am lighter skinned but yeah. the thing is like in korea i still like <laughs> this this might as well be black 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 to yeah. them because i'm still gonna stick out um yeah i have dealt with like discrimination um not being led in places people saying things behind my back and things like that. I always love that moment when, you know, someone thinks that I can't hear them and then I turn around and they're like, oh shit. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Now uh-huh. what? <laughs> yeah. So part of it's like not being like, I don't necessarily have the complete Korean vocab to like mm-hmm. call it out, but like, I know keywords. Like I know when someone uses like derogatory terms in Korean mm-hmm. for black and brown people, mm-hmm. um, or a foreigner or like fat. Like I know what these words are in Korean. So I feel like I have a little bit more leeway to be like, but also I don't have enough Korean knowledge where it's like, if someone just said fat, I'd be like, who are you talking about? <laughs> are you talking about me? <laughs> but it's like context. Like if I hear someone say fat and brown and mm-hmm. foreigner and I'm like, uh-huh, there's only one fat brown foreigner on this 
bus. I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Um, a lot of times, like when I'm riding subways or trains, uh, subways as a train, <laughs> subways or buses, mm-hmm. um, people won't sit next to me. I've heard this in Japan, like the gaijin seat, like the just like a foreigner seat, uh... where people just like <laughs> sit by you. I know that some people get mad at that, but my fat ass loves it. I'm like, the extra I like space. my space. I don't, <laughs> exactly. Because these, like, these are built for Koreans. And another part of it is the fact that, like, people assume that all Koreans are, like, skinny or tiny. Mm. Um, there are plus size Koreans. There are black Koreans, you know? So it's not even like my experience as a foreigner is only a foreigner's experience. Mm. Um, it is just my experience because I'm living here now, but there are people who are born here. There are people who this is their entire life. Yeah. Um, so I want to acknowledge that as well, but I will say it's like, it's hard to find clothes. Like you have to, I had to do a lot of research beforehand to know what places I could shop at, what places delivered to Korea. Um, which has honestly helped my wallet because I could only <laughs> shop like once a month as opposed to like being like, well, I'm a little bored and a little depressed. Let's go shop. Mm. <laughs> um, there's a lot of like discrimination, discrimination and fetishization on like dating apps and things like that from men. Have not experienced that from anybody else from men mm-hmm. <laughs> or people who identify as male, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of it being both like a like, ooh, dark chocolate brown goddess, what are you doing later? What? Um, <laughs> people being. To people being like, oh, like, I love that. And I'm like, oh, cool. cool oh, cool. goodness. Yeah. Um, so it's like that, but it's also like, it's, I think it's the same as like the US. Like, it's beauty standards and things like that. It's mm-hmm. westernized beauty standards. Um, so it's like how you can get on Tinder in the US and people will be like, no fats, no blacks, no, you know, things Oof, like that. Yeah. Um, here it's more like no foreigners and no fat people or things mm-hmm. like that. So I don't feel particularly any way about it because I'm not here to find my Korean opar, my Korean <laughs> husband or whatever. Um, I'm more on these apps to meet people, whether that be for dating purposes or friendship purposes. I'm open to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the people on this app, I've just ended up made, I've made a lot of friends from them. Um, and it's great Korean language practice. Mm. Um, but of course, I asked for consent first in this language exchange. So I don't assume that every Korean person that I'm going to interact with is going to be my personal right. Korean language tutor, you know. <laughs> I think that it's ignorant and I think it's rude. Yeah. Um, so, of course, I'll be like, oh, like, would you like to speak in Korean or English? Like, my Korean's not very good. I'm working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, would you mind being patient with me or things like that? Um, which, again, is having the vocabulary to be able to ask that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times it, it makes it comes in ways of like, again, like being denied in spaces. Um, specifically things have gotten a bit harder because of the vaccination pass mm. and because of Omicron. And there's a whole thing of like South, it was discovered in what South Africa, mm-hmm. like, but it's not that it was discovered. It's that they had the technology right. to be able to. Yeah. But of course in Korea, it's, Oh my God, it was discovered in South Africa. So I am not South African. I am African American, mm-hmm. but just because I am brown, there have been times that like I've been in groups of people where most people are either East Asian presenting um, or white presenting, and I won't be let in places or like the validity of my vaccination, even though I have been vaccinated longer than any of them, um, hmm. is questioned. And also, my vaccine is Moderna, not Miss Johnson and Johnson. So it's backed by. <laughs> 
Miss Dolly Parton herself, <laughs> but we're going to talk about vaccines. <laughs> so I've had a lot of issues with that lately, and it's so frustrating. Mm. Or one time I had, um, I think it was like New Year's. I was going to get McDonald's with someone just for fun, you know, because I love me a McDonald's breakfast. <laughs> um, and we were going to sit there and talk or whatever. And I got kicked out of the, I had sat there 20 minutes first waiting for her. Nobody said anything. Mm -hmm. I watched Korean people come in and out, in and out, in and out, both like sitting, both just grabbing their food and going. And so when I went up to order and I had already checked and they do like QR codes. Mm -hmm. And when you scan your QR code, it tells your vaccination status. And I had some random like McDonald's manager or something come up to me and he's like, I need to see your vaccination pass. And I'm like, well, when I was sitting here for 20 minutes, why did you not yeah. come up then? I've already scanned. What more do you want to see? He's like, mm, I don't believe you. Like, let me see it. And so I like scroll through it and I had had my booster scheduled, but I hadn't had it yet. Mm. Um, and this man's counts down the months and he's like, you can't. And I was like, I'm getting it this month. And he's Ugh. like, you, you can't, like you have to leave. Mm. And I'm like, I watched Korea, the 20, 30 people come, come and go, come and go. Cause it was the morning rush. Mm -hmm. Um, and you didn't question any of theirs, but the, the big old black bitch you're going to question. Okay. I, I know what this is about. Mm. Um, so shit like that is becoming the norm. But the thing is, it's kind of funny now because now that it is sometimes also happening to white foreigners, like they're up in arms. So they're like, Oh now my God, xenophobia yeah. is now it's an issue. And I'm like, <laughs> this has been happening like two years ago. This happened to me, mm. not in the context of a pandemic, but it was still, I was being denied from places. Most popular club in what Korea, or it's like one of like the, I mean, it's like number eight in the world mm. is Octagon, which is kind of funny, eight and eight. But like, <laughs> I got denied from there because I didn't fit their aesthetic for being fat and black. Oh. Um, but all of my like white and East Asian friends were, um, passing friends were able to get in. So mm. this is not a new thing. It's just now that it's affecting palm colored people sometimes. Oh, and I say, God. <laughs> And I, that's and a new I, one. I stress sometimes, because like I said, I have been with white people and they're the <laughs> Are you still on phone? I never, I never heard that before. I'm sorry. I got that one from TikTok. But, um, <laughs> it's like the validity of their vaccination status will not be questioned, but mine will. Anything that's not like either the standard or like not like white, then that makes yeah. it even harder. Um, even if you are, uh, as a foreigner, it adds to, like, some of the difficulties people experience, so. Yeah. Dang, I, uh, I don't really know what to say to that, I know. <laughs> no, and that's completely okay. It's one of those things that it's, like, at the end of the day, like, I'm a guest in this country. Yeah. Um, I want to say, like, this country doesn't owe me anything, but, like, racism as a whole needs to be dismantled. Like, we have to work to actively dismantle it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I see my being here as part of dismantling that not only for other people who want to travel, yeah. but because of the relationship between black America and Korea or just black, you know, the black diaspora and Korea. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that you can separate the two. So I think that this also work needs to be done for um, better understanding between the two for camaraderie between the two. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm not saying like this is I will be the first to say like this is not like black folks job. It is not my job to educate you or things like that. Yeah. I'm doing so out of the kindness of my heart. <laughs> um, so it's like it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it sucks. 
but also like I did choose to come to Korea knowing mm-hmm. this. That does that's not me excusing it. Yeah. Um or defending it, but I did come to Korea knowing that. And so it's it's more like having means to protect myself, um, protect my peace from that and also support others. And like I said, also work to actively dismantle um all of these mechanisms within. Mm-hmm. Which is going to take longer than me being here for a year. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But, um, you know, you're doing your, I don't want to say small, like to diminish it, but like you're doing your own uh, small part of it as one person. And even just being visible or making yourself visible online, I think it's contributing mm-hmm. to that as well. Um, your, your efforts to contest all of those the isms that you were dealing mm-hmm. with in the specific context within Korea. So, um, Okay, well... I'll also say that I oh, feel yeah, like... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, 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 go <laughs> I ahead. I was going to say, I as a person have changed, and that I I feel like when I say, like, sticking out like a big black sore thumb, mm-hmm. um, it's not like I wear crazy clothes or anything like that, but I do wear things that, like, not stereotypical, like, Korean attire. Like, I love Korean fashion, and I, you know, still adhere to parts of it, but, mm-hmm. you know, like... I'm my nipples pierced. I'm going to show you my nipple pierced. You know, like I'm, I want them to be visible. Like, um, so I think also literally just being like a walking, like I'm like, I'm already, I already stick out like a sore thumb. I already know I do. Um, I'm already going to draw attention. Yeah. Um, wherever I am. But when I say that, sometimes I'm like, oh my God, that sounds like I'm one of those foreigners. That's like, I am the drama. I am the attention. All eyes are on me. Um, but no, I fully recognize that there are places and people who are going to stare and things like that. That is not everyone. You know, I'm not, I'm not like, it's not like a, oh my God, that's the first foreigner I've ever seen for like little kids probably. But, um, you know, I don't think I'm special. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, because of it. So, but I do. You know, I do be I do be stunting and sticking out a bit, but um, again, that's only like a per- that's only like a personal like my fashion choices and things like that. So I'm not saying I get more shit because I stick out, but I'm like, well, I already stick out. Like, there's no sense in tucking myself away yeah. or, or hiding parts of myself. Mm. Um, but I'm also not going to be a spectacle, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah, being true to yourself, but not like like you said, being. Um, a spectacle or something that's for other yeah. people's uh, entertainment or whatever. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I get that. I get that. So, so my last question for you, I, I know we've mentioned it a little bit, but um, where can people reach you or keep up with you online? If you'd like them to do so. Oh my gosh, actually. <laughs> okay. So you can follow me on Instagram and my Instagram is the same as my name, just Kirsten underscore heels. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, star quality. Um, I recently, um, being over the past like six months began TikTok. And so I feel like my platform is growing there. Um, Mm. and I would love for people to follow me on my TikTok, which I think is just k.heels or kheels. Like I can't remember if it's k.heels or whatever, but it's some version of Mm kheels. If you look up like the black in Korea or the expat, well, probably expat in Korea, I won't come up, but black in Korea or plus size in Korea tag, I will definitely come up. So I'm hoping to grow, to grow my platform. I would love to be monetized at some point. Mm. Um, cause I think that I'm the funniest person alive and should be paid for it. Mm. Um, <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> <completely kidding>. um <laughs> I really, I found that I really enjoy content creating. So I'd love to like, even like, you know, grow that platform. I am trying to use Southern Gothic 
travel <laughs> more. That is just my um, travel and reflection page for my Fulbright. Mm. Um, I haven't been using it as much as I should or said I would, but that's because I've kind of, TikTok has kind of, you know, filled in that place a bit. So um, I would say you can follow me there, but if you want all of the tea, all of the drama, all of the laughs, it would definitely be on my TikTok and my Instagram. Mm. I'm more than happy if people reach out. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn too, and I'll give you my email or whatever you want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I'm a pretty I'm a pretty open book, so I think that like you know you can Google me or whatever, and you can reach me. Yeah. Call me, beat me if you want to reach me. Oh my gosh, I was thinking it. I didn't know if you were gonna think it too. <laughs> Of course, I think possible. Yeah. Um, I, I'll keep in touch if I end up like, um, I was part of, I love like, um, like opinions writing, just like, uh, creative writing in a sense, Mm -hmm. like, um, contributions pieces and stuff like that. So I would love to get to the point where like, I'm writing articles about this kind of stuff, Mm. not in like research journals, but in like the Korean Herald or something like that. Um, So I can keep you updated on that. And of course I'll keep you updated on my final project and how that goes. Yeah, for sure. I'm really looking forward to, you know, however, or uh, whenever you make that available, I know you said making it accessible to people is important to you. So once that's out, I really am looking forward to experiencing that and, and the, the fruits of, all um, your labor and your creative and collaborative um, labor that you're currently doing. So, yeah. Okay. This is also a speaking it into existence. Yes. <laughs> I need to get working on it. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. I, you know, obviously I'm not knowing you personally, but I'm just going to say I believe in you. I think you can do it. So I'm looking forward to oh, what the trust end me, result Dan, is going to be. We are be. friends now. Okay. <laughs> I'll take that. I, I, yeah, I appreciate hearing that. Friends now. That's awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> um, oh, for, for Southern Gothic, is that's T H I C C, right? Southern yeah, Gothic. I, think, right? I can't remember if it's two or three C's, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I've, I've got like the, what is it? The, uh, linked, whatever, not the LinkedIn, the, the thing where you can like, the, it's like multiple links or whatever. Oh, like know? a link tree or something like that. Yes, link tree. Okay. So I have a few link trees around. So it's like if you find one, you'll find, you'll find the, the others. others. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, this has been so great. Um, I appreciate you, you know, hanging in there with the technical difficulties. I'm glad we were able to. Oh no, finally get. I appreciate you hanging in there <laughs> <laughs> for two hours. I told you, I'm a I'm a chatty cat. That's a hey, I I try to just let conversations flow as they will naturally. So and it's it's nighttime for me. All I got left to do is go to bed. So Wait. I don't have any other plans right now. <laughs> but yes, this is actually um my first. You're the first person that I've interviewed so far this year. Um, mm-hmm. you know, just getting back into the swing of things after. Oh. being on break during the holidays so i'm really glad i got to kick things off with you and got to oh. meet you and see you Thank um you. and this is even better because um you know usually with clean feed there's like no video or, or at least i don't use mm-hmm. if there's a version of video it's not the one i use so mm-hmm. <laughs> i actually get to see you i'm glad you used to yeah only- i love to put a name to a face yeah <laughs> so this has been really wonderful i hope you've enjoyed this as well oh this um, has been so <laughs> invigorating i feel like there's sometimes, you know, when your feet kind of drag with like uh, project things or just like, especially with some recent Fulbright things, I'm just like, I'm so fucking tired of this. And so this like 
talking about this is always so good to like, just like, you know, like revitalize my spirit and my energy and kind of, you know, re reinsert some excitement back into things. Because mm. when I do talk about it, you can hear my excitement. I feel myself getting excited. I have to remember that like, yeah, this is once in a lifetime. I'm excited. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'll get bogged down by the sh- by bullshit. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I can help, um, you know, play a part in, in reminding you of the the good parts and, and the, the excitement that you feel for, for what you're doing, you know? Um, yeah. Reflection is so important. That. This is such a great reflective space. Thank you for inviting me to it. Oh, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. It makes me very glad to hear that um, it's had that impact on you. And I'm glad also, mm-hmm. as you said, that we are friends now. <laughs> we are girl. I'll be following your personal Instagram. You're going to post pictures or whatever like this. And I'm going to be like heart react. Oh, listen, I'm about to to post on Instagram and be like, oh my God, thank you so much to Miss Danya for interviewing me for her podcast. Um, I'm so happy I could be a voice to a generation. This is another like, I thank the Academy. Like, (laughs) awesome. I look, I, I look forward to the dramatics if that is indeed the case. <laughs> um, dramatics were fun, not just for the, yes. for the sake of that. Yes, yes, yes. But yeah, for now, just I hope you have a great Saturday and um, and take care. Okay. Aww, Sound you good? Too. Have a great <laughs> night. A great. It's Friday night there, right? Yes, Friday night. <laughs> Girl, then you've got a whole Saturday ahead of you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, talk to you soon, sometimes. <laughs> okay. You Thank you for talking with me today. Much love to you. Oh, much love to you too. Okay. Bye, Kir- <laughs> Kirsten. I almost called you Kirsten. Bye, Kirsten. Good. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> All right, y'all. There it is. Thanks to Kirsten for being such a wonderful guest, and I hope you like how this all turned out. For the rest of you listening, don't forget to follow this podcast at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook, and at YG Abroad on Twitter. And don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on younggiftedandabroad.com. Also, if you enjoy what you've been hearing so far, then please continue listening to Young Gifted and Abroad wherever podcasts are. You're welcome to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you leave ratings and reviews. And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So for the next episode, (laughs) got ahead of myself, as I said earlier... (laughs) Um, If you want to hear me reflect on the show thus far, especially the past 10 episodes, and also uh, talk about what I'm looking forward to in the future for the next 10 episodes, uh, episode 100, maybe, maybe, (laughs) then be sure to check out a brand new 10 cents episode that will be out next week. Um, But as far as the next regular episode in two weeks, um, (laughs) maybe this is just going to be my ear so far. Uh, That conversation also has not been recorded yet. (laughs) But Lord willing, if all goes according to plan, then the guest of that episode 
will be a college friend of mine who has all the degrees <laughs> and who studied um, in Europe in undergrad. So you can look forward to hearing all about that in two weeks. Check me out. Check out me talking solo next week, though. Uh, but until then, thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time.